Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Trees falling on homes, trees falling on power lines. It's more out of control than I thought, and I can't believe that California's going to just let the jewel just burn up. To think that we have left Americans who want to come home behind. Anyone who says that there aren't people stranded is wrong. The trust is completely broken, and they simply were not a priority at the end. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is Tuesday, and uh, the Afghanistan debacle continues. I, I was listening to Biden. He Does he think he's Barack Obama? I mean, he showed up 40 minutes late again today. What's uh, now? I'm not saying that Donald Trump was absolutely on time every time, but he wasn't late every time. And he wasn't, if he was late, it was 5, 10, 15 minutes late. I mean, this guy's 60 minutes late sometimes. Today was about 40 minutes. Um, Joe Biden is sickening. Biden, in a defiant address to the nation today, says while he takes responsibility for the decision to withdraw all U.S. troops from Afghanistan, it was basically Donald Trump's fault. I mean, he continues the same narrative that we've talked about over and over again. I mean, when, when it is, it, this, this is right out of the Obama playbook, right? Jo- blame George Bush for all your problems. So if it's a, a good situation, he'll take credit for it. If it's something that he wants to conveniently use to blame Donald Trump, that he was bound by Donald Trump's decision. He had to do it because Donald Trump set it up. Now, he doesn't follow anything else that Donald Trump has done, but when it comes to Afghanistan, that's a, that's a nice way to blame Trump. But again, Trump, I mean, I've said this a hundred times, Trump's withdrawal had certain caveats that the Taliban had to meet, and they weren't meeting them. He wouldn't have withdrawn. But nonetheless, Biden blamed Trump this afternoon and blamed the Afghan security forces. He says he takes responsibility, but at the same time, he just says this was done with excellence. This is extraordinary. The president from the White House earlier today addressed the nation just a day after the last U.S. troops left Afghanistan. The president touted one of the biggest airlifts in history, noting that more than 120,000 individuals were airlifted to safety from Kabul. I I mean, we don't know. It is really sad that we cannot trust anything that comes out of the White House or this administration. The president touted one of the biggest airlifts in history, um, calling the mission an extraordinary success. Only the U.S., had the capacity, the will, the ability to do it, and we did it today, Biden said, applauding the bravery and selfless courage of U.S. military, diplomats, and intelligent professionals. Intelligence professionals. There are no intelligent professionals. <laughs> My fellow Americans, the war in Afghanistan is now over. But uh, You know what? The war in Afghanistan is not over. I mean, we, we withdrew from it, but it's not over. The Daily Wire is reporting that Biden turned his back on reporters following the uh, speech. Biden's refusal to take questions from reporters after once again being very late to his own press conference. And uh, blaming Trump and blaming Afghan, but not blaming himself. 
takes full responsibility. But hey, this was just extraordinary, an extraordinary success. You know, if you really want to know what people think, we talked about Biden yesterday looking at his watch when uh, he was at the Dover Air Force Base. What we didn't hear about was um, some of the uh, other comments from family members. According to Mark Schmitz, the father of 20-year-old Jared Schmitz, who was murdered in the attack, and this is through the Washington Post, as the family started entering the bus to leave, the woman screamed in Biden's direction, I hope you burn in hell. That was my brother. Schmidt said of the meeting with Biden when he just kept talking about his son. Uh, he, what he's saying is Joe Biden kept talking about Bo Biden so much. It was just my interest was lost in that. I was more focused on my own son than what happened with him and his son. And look, I'm not trying to take anything away from the heartbreak of losing your son, Mr. President. But that was several years back. These people, they're, they're still in a dreamlike state. They're still in unbelief. They're still totally numb that they've lost their child. They've lost their brother. And you being the narcissist individual that you are, quit talking about your son Yes, it's sad that you lost this. And maybe, okay, you're trying to relate to them, but right now they don't want to hear that. Royce McCollum, who lost her brother Riley in the attack, told the Post of Biden, he cannot possibly understand my dad, and I did not want to speak to him. You cannot kneel on our flag and pretend you care about our troops. You can't up up as bad as he did and say you're sorry. This did not need to happen. It, it did not need to happen. And again, we get more stories every day that come leaking out. And listen, these are not from right-wing extremist publications, which I, most right-wing publications aren't extremist. I think they're pretty much middle of the road. It's the left-wing publications that are extremist. Uh, and I would include in that the Washington Post. And yet, the Washington Post today is reporting now, this is unbelievable that the United States reportedly turned down an offer from the Taliban to take over control of Kabul while, ex while evacuating thousands of personnel, citizens, and green card holders. The Taliban offered to let—this is, again, from the Washington Post. The Taliban offered to let the United States take over Kabul— while the terror group would remain outside waiting on President Joe Biden's self-imposed withdrawal deadline of August the 31st for the United States. The United States, however, turned down the offer, giving Kabul over to the Taliban while retaining control of the Karzai airport. Again, from the Washington Post. As the Taliban surrounded the city in mid-August, then-Afghan President Ghani secretly flew out of the city with millions of dollars in duffel bags, by the way, leaving behind members of his own cabinet and the government and surprising Afghan and American officials alike. In the president's absence, the city governance collapsed, and the U.S. and the Taliban entered an unusual face-to-face -face negotiations about the city's future. In a hastily arranged in-person meeting, senior U.S. military leaders in Doha, including McKenzie, the commander of the U.S. Central Com uh, Command, 
spoke with Abdul Ghani Baradar, head of the Taliban's political wing. We have a problem, Baradar said, according to the U.S. official. We have two options to deal with. You, the United States military, take responsibility for securing Kabul, or you have to allow us to do it, meaning the Taliban. Throughout the day, Biden had remained resolute in his decision to withdraw all American troops from Afghanistan. The collapse of Afghan government hadn't changed his mind. McKenzie, aware of those orders, told Baradar that the U.S. mission was only to evacuate American citizens, Afghan allies, and others at risk. The United States, he told Baradar, needed the airport to do that. On the spot, an understanding was reached, according to two other U.S. officials. The United States could have the airport until August the 31st, but the Taliban would control the city. Unbelievable. (laughs) This is unbelievable. And again, I've got to go back. I I know there are many conservatives that are blaming this on incompetence. It, it's a it's a stretch to me to say this is strictly on incompetence. Now I think they're incompetent because they believe in socialism, communism, which is uh, uh, proven to be a failure around the world. So in that sense, they're incompetent. But I think this is by design. How do you leave eighty five million dollars worth of material uh, military equipment out there? And uh, oops, <laughs> I mean. You forget your cell phone on the kitchen counter, but when you go to work, that's an oops. When you leave $85 billion worth of military equipment behind for the enemy to take over, that's not an oops. About two dozen House Republicans took to the House floor today to put heat on Pelosi and Democrats over the botched Afghan pullout. They demanded that the House pass by unanimous consent a bill sponsored by Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin to require the Biden administration to come up with a plan to bring home the Americans that stranded in Afghanistan. They got nowhere in that effort. I mean, basically, Nancy Pelosi, uh, uh, Debbie Dingell, the uh, widow of uh, the former Representative Dingell, you know, you have to control the people, Dingell. Um, she immediately gaveled down the House so Republicans couldn't bring forward their their bill. I mean, basically, there are a lot of Democrats that are agreeing with the Republicans. We want the Biden administration to come up with a plan to bring home the Americans. What's your plan? That's all they ask for. They weren't being dictatorial. They were saying, Mr. President, you say you're going to get everybody home. Could we see your plan? That's all they ask for. Nancy Pelosi, nope. So uh, Kevin McCarthy and a number of uh, conservative Republicans who were veterans got together for a press conference earlier today. Brian Mass, this is cut one, uh, Clark. Brian Mass of Florida, who is a veteran, also took aim at the Biden administration. Uh, He had some rather pointed words for Joe and his administration. As every veteran will tell you, The most important thing you bring into battle is why. The why for this battle that we're talking about today is very simple, to protect lives, to save Americans, and very pointedly this. Every American, every one of us in this room, everybody in government is being lied to. 
when they send somebody out to the podium, when they send Blinken out to the podium, it's to lie to the American people. Flat out. When he says the terrorists promise that they won't let other terrorists in, that's an example of him lying to the American people. When they send somebody else out from the administration to talk about what's going to happen with the recognition uh, of the Taliban or other terrorist groups, they're sending somebody out to lie to the American people. When they send somebody out to talk about the, the U.S. arms that will be used against our military, other militaries, and civilians across the globe, they're sending somebody out to lie to the American people. That is why what Representative Gallagher and every veteran up here and every member of our body is acknowledging these lies can't be the way forward. They have to come to an end immediately, and this has to be the moment that they are accounted for. He's right. He's right. And he lied again this afternoon. I mean, I, you know, the old adage, how can you tell if a politician is lying? Those lips are moving. I'm, I'm like, gosh, this is, these guys are lying up one side and down the other. By the way, there are Democrats— that's how bad it's gotten. There are Democrats that are agreeing with the Republicans. I mean, leave it to Biden. He's finally gotten some bipartisanship in, in the uh, Senate and the House. Senate Intelligence Committee Mark Warner called for an investigation, as did Senate Armed Services Committee Chairman Jack Reed, both Democrats. House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Gregory Meeks, Democrat from New York. Uh, they, they all are saying, hey, we need an investigation. We need to know what's going on. John Kirby, who is the Pentagon spokesperson, acknowledged on Tuesday that Americans were, quote, stranded in Afghanistan. You know, when somebody is stranded, that means they can't get out, right? So could we know what you're going to do? Because Biden is just glibly saying, well, you know, diplomacy, we'll get them all out. How, how well has diplomacy worked with terrorist jihadist groups in the past? Not well. So John Kirby was on MSNBC's Morning Joe this morning. He admitted he didn't know the exact number of Americans still in Afghanistan. Yeah, because you start out with five. I mean, the numbers are just, they just throw out numbers glibly, and no two numbers are ever the same. He said, right now I think the tools we have available to us and that we're going to use as a U.S. government, is going to be more in diplomatic, economic lanes, and we don't see a military role right now, Kirby said. Kirby was then asked—this is cut two—Kirby was then asked how diplomacy was going to get those Americans out of Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. The how so what is, So what does that look like? How does diplomacy get those people out of the Taliban-controlled Afghanistan? It's not completely unlike the way we do it elsewhere around the world. I mean, we have uh, Americans that get stranded in in, uh, in countries all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is perfectly routine. Happens all the time. Uh, yeah, all the time. Now, when was the last time we had 250 to 1,500 Americans left behind, essentially in the hands of an enemy who thinks America is Satan— and the most glorious thing they could do would be to do away with those Americans so that they might enter into their paradise with how many virgins are awaiting them. Uh, this is unbelievable. 
perfectly routine. What's the big deal? Uh, you know, it, it'd probably be a little bit bigger deal if John Kirby was one of those 250 to 1,500 Americans who are over there right now. He said, we've made it very clear what our expectations are to the Taliban. And if the Taliban want to govern, and they say they do, obviously we're going to hold them to their deeds, not just their words, Kirby added. And so there are leverage tools we have available to us to hold them to account. But that's the effort. It's going to be a whole government effort, but I don't see a military role at this time. Do do none of these numbskulls realize that these are religious zealots? That their first calling is, is not to economies, not to have a place in the community of nations? These are religious zealots who live by Sharia law. They take everything in the the, uh, Quran literally, very literally. And doing away with the great infidel is one of the key points. These, do they not get it? They don't. The Daily Caller is reporting, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said Monday the Taliban does not pose a threat to the United States or its neighbors despite having a cachet of lethal American weapons. Now, I wonder how the neighboring countries feel about that. I mean, basically, they are one of the most well-equipped military nations in the world right now. $85 billion worth. Airplanes, helicopters, tanks, Humvees something like 350,000 assault weapons, rifles. You can uh, go on Reddit and see videos of them messing with all of our equipment, too, especially the helicopters. Well, the only good thing about the helicopters is I I seriously doubt if they're going to be able to fly them. They'll probably kill each other trying to get them off the ground. But John Kirby, there's no danger. What's the big deal? Uh, it, it gets It gets worse. Now, remember back in June, Biden vowed that the Afghans who helped the U.S. military, he said, they're not going to be left behind. His administration's stepped up, planning to evacuate thousands of Afghan interpreters while their applications for the U.S. entry are processed. They're going to come. And by the way, uh, earlier today, uh, among other things that Biden was blaming, he was blaming the Americans that they didn't take his warning seriously back in March when he said to get out. I don't remember that, but Biden does. And, of course, we can't question Joe's memory or Joe's brain. Uh, Then in August, Biden pledged firmly to bring all Americans home from Afghanistan just last month or earlier this month. It's still August. And all Afghans who aided in the war effort, he said, we're making the same commitment to the Afghan wartime helpers as to U.S. citizens. And now... The administration admits that perhaps hundreds of Americans who wanted to leave uh, have been left behind. By the way, that's the other thing he said over and over again today, which is sickening. And, and we said this last week when Jin Psaki came out and say, said early on, well, all the Americans that want to get out, we'll get them out. If they want to get out, we'll get them out. Biden repeated that mantra today. Well, the ones that they didn't want to get out, well, I guess they didn't want to get out. Well, nothing we can do about it. We can't force them to get out. They don't want to get out. 
But perhaps the most bizarre and most profound example of just how clueless this administration is is this comment from National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, quote, Joe Biden left behind Americans. He left behind vetted Afghan allies who risked their lives for our soldiers. A disgraceful lack of leadership from an incompetent president. Your response? My response is that leadership means taking a look at the situation and asking the hard question, what is going to be in the best interests of the United States of America, those American citizens still in Afghanistan and those Afghan allies? And he got a unanimous recommendation from his Secretary of State, his Secretary of Defense, all of his civilian advisors, all of his commanders on the ground, and all of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, that the best way to protect our forces and the best way to help those Americans was to transition this mission. At the end of the day, the question will be, Did we protect those American citizens? Did they get out if they wanted to get out? We believe that we will get out any person who wants to get out, and we will have completed that mission. And those who are criticizing are not the ones who have to sit in the situation room and make the hard calls about the threats that we face and the objectives we're trying to obtain. And President Biden made that hard call, and it is a call he believes will ultimately serve the interests of our people, all of our citizens, and our country. Uh, Yeah, you heard that right. You heard that right. It's in the best interest of those Americans that are left back in Afghanistan. It's in their best interest that we have done what the Biden administration has done. It's in their best interest. (laughs) Wow. So they're now faced with jihadist extremists who have vowed to take down the great Satan, America. And these poor people are out there fearing for his life. And and the Biden administration has shared all the names with them, all the people that are left behind. And this individual, trying to keep a PG here, Jake Sullivan has said, this is in their best interest. If diplomacy was, uh, I mean, it, it's, if diplomacy had worked, wouldn't it have worked numerous times earlier with these? Again, these are religious zealots. He said it. It's in their best interest. Imagine being one of those Americans or one of those U.S. interpreters who now faces death at the hands of terrorists. Imagine hearing a smug presidential aide explain to the world that the abject betrayal and violated promise that has placed your family's lives in great danger was really about your best interest. Sullivan goes on to say, leaving people behind was unanimously endorsed by the president's entire national security team. Hmm. Susan Rice? Is, is Barack Obama actually on that team? I'm sure he is indirectly. <laughs> Silent partner. Uh, he states, again, the best way to help the stranded, was to transition this mission, by which he means leaving them behind. We're going to turn to diplomacy. Even though when we had troops on the ground there, they were behaving themselves. But we're going to try diplomacy now. I wonder if Jake Sullivan was over there, whether he'd want to, hey, if it's in their best interest, Jake, why don't you go over there and be with them? And then he says, the critics aren't the ones to have to sit in the situation room and make the hard calls. 
You know, I would not uh, categorize Tom Cotton as some sort of armchair quarterback critic. Tom Cotton honorably served this country over in the Middle East, fighting the likes of the Taliban. He has served honorably, which is something that Jake Sullivan nor Joe Biden has done. But they they're making the hard decisions. Unbelievable. Five six one eight two five five. We'll get to your phone calls. We've got to take a time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your drive at five and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 1037. Take a quick look at your weather forecast. Mostly cloudy tonight, a low around 73. Tomorrow, a chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. Chance of rain 50% with a high around 90. Then tomorrow night, a 60% chance of rain and showers, a low around 72. Thursday, things cool down a little bit. The high is only 82 on Thursday. A slight chance of showers. And uh, otherwise, it's going to be nice to see things cool down. Ida is uh, really spread out. Of course, hit Louisiana, New Orleans. It's moving fairly quickly. The eye of the storm is about over Nashville right now. And uh, the southern part of the storm is down in Florida. The northern part of the storm is really almost up to uh, Lake Erie in Ohio. So uh, spreading out, Ida is uh, dropping rain. Doesn't look like we're getting a whole lot of rain here in eastern Carolina from Ida. Maybe just a little bit, not too much. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining, an outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse, a perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a limited time, join Ironwood, pay zero initiation fees. Give them a call, 252-752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville, 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club, and it is coming into the prettiest time of the year to play golf. Fall, great temperatures, low humidity. Give them a call. 561-8255. Let's go down to Bellhaven. We have Tom on the line. Hey, Tom. How you doing, guys? Appreciate you all taking my call. I called several months ago, and we, we talked. It was the first time I had ever voted um, and was very, very disappointed with what happened because of a deep distrust for the government I just never have, and I felt like this time it really needed to be done. Um, And now that just comes to fruition. You can't trust our government to tell you the truth, to do what's right. And it, it, it boils down to, you know, the first Civil War, 1861, was started for a lot less than we're going through right now. And I don't see, and I, I hope I'm wrong, I really do, I hope I'm wrong in that we don't uh, end up falling into a second one. I hope voting can work the next time. But now that they know how to do it, they're going to keep pushing this. Every time there's going to be a, an election coming up, we're going to find out, oh, we got a new strain of something out there. We've all got to go back to staying at home and voting by mail, which is going to take days and days. And it's just it just boils down to what I'm looking at as, at some point in time, if this doesn't stop, a lot of good men and women in this country are going to have to do bad things. Well, I don't... I yeah, I, I, the case. 
No, I, I hear you. And it, it was interesting. Um, Representative Cawthorn, who is, you know, the, basically the, re, the replacement up in the western part of the state, uh, he, he sort of got in some hot water. He was apparently addressing one of the um, county uh, conventions up there and had uh, made a comment. I don't have the story in front of me. I'm paraphrasing here. But if if there was a, another situation like there was in the last election and we had fraudulent elections, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said something about, you know, it could could result in bloodshed. And, of course, he's getting a lot of negative feedback. But at some point there there does come a time and I'm not I'm not propagating this, but I'm just saying I don't disagree with you, Tom. I think there could be a, a situation if people if people truly felt like their liberties were disappearing and they found themselves under a dictatorship and they had lost their ability to control their democracy, their republic. We're not a democracy. We're a republic, a democratic republic. Um, I think it's entirely possible that through the frustration of not being uh, of having having their rights and their liberties taken away from look that's why previous wars have been fought in this country uh, that's why we fought the Revolutionary War and trying to erase history just makes it that much easier to repeat it yeah. so if you if you look at what what has gone on and you look at everything that is happening now, you know, you've got a president that, number one, feels like he can just write a law into being just by signing a piece of paper. Oh, yeah. Well, we're, we're doing away with the Constitution, and it's, it's, it scares people. I think there are a lot of people. But there's also a lot of these people on the other side that if a train pulled up with 50,000 cattle cars on it said, jump in, we're here to help, we'll take you to safety, they'd do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the most profound things that has happened under this, I mean, there's a lot of bad things that have happened under this presidency, but I think something that people really need to take um, take notice of was when the Supreme Court came out and said the CDC does not have the right to impose this eviction moratorium. Now, they let it run out to July 31st, but they said you can't extend it beyond July 31st. Now, what is the one thing that the president uh, vows to uphold when he's sworn into office? He is every police officer, right? Constitution, the, the Constitution. Every police officer, every judge, every soldier, everyone swears allegiance to the Constitution, of the United States of America. And when that eviction moratorium, well, they they said it was unconstitutional and you cannot continue it, and Joe Biden goes out. He, he admits, he says, I don't think it's constitutional, goes out and gets some advice from some of his key folks. They said, well, it's a little shaky ground there, Joe. He found one that said, yeah, go ahead and do it. So he did. So basically he knew it was unconstitutional. The one thing that he is told to uphold, he takes a, a you know, he swears to uphold the Constitution from enemies, you know, foreign and domestic. And he turns around and does it anyway in defiance of the Supreme Court that came out real clear with their order. For, the, for this administration to basically shoot the bird at the Supreme Court to say, look, I, and they, can, they can try to frame this in the most flowery verbiage that they can think of to make themselves look good. But they shot the bird at the Supreme Court and they said, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to do what we darn well please. 
And if it's unconstitutional, so be it. That ought to scare people more than anything else, I think, because they have really looked at the Constitution, again, that the president has sworn to uphold and defend, and they've just basically thrown it down the toilet. And that's why I've said, at some point, good men having to do bad things. Let's pray it doesn't have to come to that. Um, I've got my fingers crossed. Yes, well, let's, let's pray hard and cross your toes, too. Thank you. I appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for the call. It's sad. Uh, but Tom is correct. You, you, it used to be certain things. Now, I mean, we, we always knew certain things. For the last 20 years, we knew the postal system wasn't you know, running real efficiently. We know there's certain things that we didn't like about the federal government. We didn't like the IRS. You know, we know there's certain things that the government ran. They didn't run them well. But we always thought, well, the military, that's the last bastion of hope. And the FBI, and look where they've gone. Is there anything now that the federal government does that they do well, that they do in a way that would uphold the Constitution? Anything? We've got to take another time out. We'll be right back. Great job, Mr. President. It's a great job we're doing. What, what, what we're doing is, it's, uh... This Labor Day, remember... No, sir, I meant you're doing a great job. Very poor job. Look, we're creating jobs with this plan. Our job is to keep you informed. It's a good plan, sir. With what you need to know. It's, uh, people, are they, they mad about the, uh... You having a good time, Joe? Absolutely not. Your job approval, it's... It's good. Now back to News and Views on 96.3... And 1037. Uh, that is a great intro for my next story. Town Hall is reporting when it comes to polls, Joe Biden typically has pretty good support from his base. Even his base is saying, we don't think so, Joe. Come on, man. A poll from the Economist YouGov shows that support for Biden from his base is waning. It should come as a surprise to no one that only 4% think it's been handled very well when they ask, how would you describe the evacuation from Afghanistan? 4%. How do you get 4%? I mean, they must have actually asked a member of the cabinet as part of the poll or something. A plurality at 43% says it's been handled very badly. But what's noteworthy is the percentage who think it's been handled very well is consistently low across the board. Just 5% of Biden voters and 6% of Democrats think it's been handled very well. A plurality of these demographics think it's gone somewhat badly at 40% and 39% respectively from Biden voters and Democrat voters. Uh, It's worth emphasizing this poll was conducted prior to the 13% U.S. service members being killed over in Cabal prior. So, uh, yeah, there's only one direction those numbers are going to go, and it's not good for Cousin Eddie. By the way, if you're listening to uh, 103.7 during that last break, uh, you heard a uh, spot there for the um, Carolina Panthers. 
uh, it is interesting to note for you football fans, and again, 103.7 carries the Panthers, the New England Patriots released Cam Newton today. First reported by the Boston Globe, uh, he and um, Mac Jones, who was uh, out of uh, Alabama, he was the 2021 NFL draft uh, choice of the uh, Patriots, uh, played for Alabama. He's got the starting job. Even though Cam Newton had a $3.5 million guaranteed contract for this year, uh, they've let him go. So it'd be interesting to see if anybody else picks up Cam or if he is done. I, You know, I and it's interesting. You, you ask yourself, okay, why would you let a quarterback go who you're guaranteed to pay him 3.5 million sincerely and there's no 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 place for him i mean you're paying him put him on the taxi squad or something and and just say uh we're gonna we're gonna keep you around for 3.5 million and bring him up but why would you let him go i mean you can't find a place for him just to sit on the bench just in case the other guy gets hurt right and the only thing I, I was just talking to Clark. The only thing I can figure is that they feel like he would be a morale buster. That if he wasn't the key guy, the key player, would he bring down the morale of everybody else? I don't know. But uh, he is gone. He's been let go. Perhaps what they do, they're hoping somebody else picks them up. They don't have to pay him the $3.5 million. That's another reason they might do what they do. The Carolina Journal is reporting the leader of North Carolina's Senate Powerful Rules Committee took aim today at the governor's long-running state of emergency linked to COVID-19. We've been saying this for a long time now ourselves. Quote, an emergency is a dangerous situation requiring immediate action, said Bill Rabone of Brunswick County in a news release. The legislature uh, the legislature delegated some power to the executive to act in an emergency because the executive can act immediately. 18 months into this pandemic, nobody can argue with a straight face that it's a time-limited emergency where the General Assembly does not have time to act. The governor needs to accept that this state must return to its normal system of government. Thank you, Senator. But uh, any legislation that would take away these emergency powers, you know, Governor Roy is going to veto them. We've got to take another time out. He has also vetoed, some, vetoed something else that uh, is going to anger a few people. We'll talk about that when we get back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper vetoed a bill yesterday that would change the state gun purchasing law. Cooper, Democrat, vetoed House Bill 398. This is from the News and Observer. The pistol purchase permit repeal, which would remove the requirement that handgun buyers get a permit from their local sheriff. Quote, gun permits laws reduce homicides. The uh, So said the, the Cooper. I'm not saying that. At a time of rising gun violence, we cannot afford to repeal a system that works to save lives. The bill passed the Senate on August the 18th along party lines 27 to 20, with all Republicans for and all Democrats against. Republicans have argued in favor of the bill repeatedly, noting that the law's origin in the Jim Crow South were efforts to keep guns away from black North Carolinians. Senator Chuck Edwards, a Henderson County Republican, said, 
pistol purchase permits were created by Jim Crow Democrats to keep guns away from black people, and data shows that black applicants are still rejected at a higher rate than white applicants. In any other context, Democrats would view these facts and allege, as alleged systemic racism. That they refuse to do so on this issue is yet more evidence that they selectively wield such accusations for political ends, Edwards said. Attorney General Josh Stein, a Democrat, said earlier this month that the law is, quote, one of our most effective tools to keep guns out of the hands of domestic abusers, felons, and other dangerous people. Wait a minute, Josh. Do you honestly think for one second that felons and dangerous people are going to go through the process of applying for a permit for a gun? (laughs) Duh. The only ones that uh, you are infringing upon are legal citizens wanting to defend themselves. 561-8255. Real quickly, we have Rick on the line. Hey, Rick. Hey, Tom. I just got out of work, and I just wanted to call and ask you if you'd seen or heard anything. Um, people on break were telling me that there were pictures on YouTube of the canines that the military used abandoned, left in cages at the airport. Um, there is a story on Town Hall. The Pentagon is responding to reports the United States left behind a number of military working dogs at the airport um, to correct erroneous reports. The U.S. military did not leave any dogs in cages at the international airport, including the reported military working dogs. Photos circulating online were animals under the care of the Cabal Small Animal Rescue, not dogs under our care, Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby said Tuesday. Take that for what it's worth. That's from the mouth of John Kirby. I have no clue. Uh, I mean, I, I I trust that as about as far as I could throw John Kirby. He's not too big, but I don't think I could throw him too far. I believe it. Yeah, yeah I just wanted to see if you knew anything. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that uh, this case, that John Kirby was correct, but who knows? I mean, it, it is a sad commentary that we can't trust what our federal government tells us. We can't. I mean, it's it's sad. I did a search, and it came up pretty fast on YouTube. On, on the canine story. Yeah, working dogs yeah. left behind in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. so. Hey, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, it'd be nice if we could uh, have some uh, fun news. Try to keep you informed. As I say, if I've said for the last week or so, I'll end the program again today. Keep praying for our country. Keep praying for another great revival. Keep praying that we would have righteous leaders that would lead us well, that would follow the Constitution. You know, that don't look at our founding fathers as old white guys. Look at them as wise men who uh, strove for liberty and freedom. Pray to that end. Please do. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.